Hello, everyone. My name is Andrew, and my name is Anna. And you're listening to the Culips English podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Culips. You're listening to Chatterbox, which is the Culips series for intermediate and advanced English learners that features natural. Unedited conversations between native speakers about interesting topics, or trending current events, or hot issues. Today, I'm joined by my co-host Anna. Hey there, Anna. Hi, Andrew, and hello, listeners. So, the topic for today's episode is bread. Yes, I think there is nothing better than bread, which is not only a delicious subject to talk about, but the one that I think nearly all of our listeners can relate to. I think so, Anna, because you know bread is really a universal food, and people from all corners of the globe enjoy it. And I am certainly one of those people who enjoy it. So I'm excited to talk about this topic with you here today. So everyone, we'll get started in just a moment. But before we do, I want to tell you that there is a study guide and a transcript available for this episode. In the study guide, you'll find detailed vocabulary definitions and examples, a quiz, plus prompts that you can use for speaking and writing practice. And we recommend following along with the guide while you listen to the episode. Now, to get the study guide for this episode, everyone, you just need to sign up and become a Culips member. And you can find all of the details and sign up on our website, which is culips.com. C u l i p s dot com. Becoming a member helps support the work that we do here at Culips, but it also gives you access to all of the learning materials and tools that we make to help you improve your English and to get fluent faster. Now, at the start of each episode, we always love to give a shout out to one of our listeners who has left us a review or a message. And recently, we received an absolutely lovely little message and story from one of our listeners、uh, from Austria, actually named Miriam, who、uh, left that review on Apple Podcasts. And, and I, I thought this was such a cute little story, and maybe you could read it for all of our listeners. I certainly will. Okay, Miriam, you said until February 2021, my English skills were on a school-based level. I needed it sometimes at work, but not in my private life. This changed when I met my partner one year ago. He is from Finland and went abroad for work, which brought him near to the place I live. We found each other on an online dating app, and since it was strict COVID lockdown at that time, we spent many weeks texting each other and later also video calls before we met in person. Right from the beginning, it was clear that our common language must be English, since his German skills are still on a beginner level. So it was on me to improve my language skills, which I am doing on a daily basis ever since we met. Your podcast supported me right from the beginning and really helped me a lot to evolve my own personal language of love. Oh, that's wonderful! Thank you so much for this support. I can literally say you were and still are a big part in supporting our relationship. So just keep on producing new episodes, please. Smiley face. Well, don't worry, Miriam. We will we will keep producing those episodes for you. And thank you so much for your support and for listening and learning English with us.、Uh, best of luck to you and your partner. Yeah, absolutely. I thought that story was so cute, and Miriam and your partner as well. Good luck with the English relationship. That's really cool to have, 
one partner speaking one language natively. I think Miriam's a German speaker, and it sounds like her partner is from Finland, so he's probably a Finnish speaker, but they have English as their language of love. I think that's really, really awesome. So thanks again, Miriam, and thanks to all of our listeners out there who have been leaving us reviews and subscribing to Qlips on all of your favorite podcast apps. This really is appreciated by us, and of course, it helps other English learners from around the world connect and learn with us as well. So please, please keep it up. And with that being said, Anna, I think we can jump in to our main topic here for today, which is one that you suggested, actually, and I thought it's a good one. And I was a little surprised that we haven't really covered it on Qlips before. You know, sometimes those topics that seem a little bit basic, like they, they're so common, so everyday that you don't even really think to talk about them. But when you brought it up and suggested it, I was like, yeah, of course, we have to talk about bread on Qlips. That's an amazing idea. So we'll do that today. Anna, maybe to kick off this conversation, I'll ask you the question about why you suggested this topic. Why, why did you want to talk about bread? Because I thought your reason was pretty interesting. This is actually inspired by one of my friends. Um, she's also a teacher and uh, she's always been really clear about bread. And she's always said, look, bread should be free. And she's like, if I were president, I would make bread free. She's like, bread should be free for everybody. She's very, very clear about this. And she's, she's very clear about the fact that bread is something that should be shared by everyone. And that kind of gave me the inspiration for, for this episode. And whenever we meet or sometimes when we meet, we, we talk about bread. You know, we're like... <laughs> oh, have you tried this new bread? Or, oh, this bread is really nice. Or so, I mean, and I talk about bread with people, you know, uh, so I thought, well, this would be a great topic. And everybody has bread. I mean, like it, different cultures have different types of bread or maybe slightly different forms, but it's something that, I mean, a lot of cultures have as part of their, of part of their food, part of their diet. So I think it's something that, as we said in the intro, everybody can relate to. So that was the reasoning behind this episode. Did you think I was a little strange, Andrew, when I suggested, uh, let's talk about bread? <laughs> of course, I didn't think you were strange, but uh, I thought it was one of those topics that seems just like so obvious that it didn't ever pop into my mind. And I don't think any of our listeners have ever suggested it either. But I think we have a lot to talk about. And I like your friend's idea about free bread for everyone. <laughs> I think I could get behind that if there was, you know, somebody running uh, as president with that as their campaign promise. Maybe they would get my vote. I'm not sure, but uh, I like it anyways. So Anna, I'm really curious about one thing here, and maybe this will help to bring all of our listeners on the same page as well. And that is in the UK or in your mind, at least, what do you mean when you say bread, what falls under the category of a bread to you? Are you talking about like a loaf of bread? That is kind of the basic image that comes to mind. But do you think about like uh, bagels and scones and donuts? Are these all bread as well? Like what exactly is a bread in your mind? Well, for me, bread... I think it's always been like a savory thing rather than a sweet thing. So when I think of bread, I think of baguettes, okay, the classic baguette in the basket. I think of um, toast, for example. Um, in the UK, it's very big for people to have these kind of um, 
I guess, factory produced bread where you have the loaf and you have the slices. I don't know if they have that as well in Canada, Andrew, where it's kind of a... Yeah, just like a basic bread that you would use to make a sandwich, for example, that you can buy at a grocery store usually comes in a plastic bag. And like you said, it's produced in like a baking factory, (laughs) right? It's not like fresh made daily at a local bakery. It's sort of mass produced at a, a baking factory. Sure. So that's very much like what I would would have been used to in, 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 in the UK. But then in Spain, they have this beautiful culture of fresh bread, baguettes, uh, the local bakery, which I absolutely love about um, Spain. So I, I mean, I love bread, obviously, as you can tell, I, I wouldn't have suggested it if I didn't like it. Um, so I really love freshly made uh, baguettes. Um, and there's so many different types that you can have now, which is great. They've really um, you can get lots of healthy bread without gluten or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, that would be my definition. Would that fit your idea of bread as well? That's exactly what I think of as well. And the reason that I wanted to clarify that is, is because when I first came to Korea, and I think any Westerner that comes to Korea might have a similar experience as I did. And that is when you talk to Korean people, they will call kind of any baked item as bread. So it could be a Danish and they'll call that bread. It could be a muffin, they'll call it bread. It could be a croissant and they'll call it bread. And that kind of blew my mind because I was like, this is not bread. This is not bread. This is a muffin. This is a Danish, et cetera, et cetera. (laughs) And so I wanted to make sure that all of our listeners know that when we talk about bread, we're specifically talking about a baked good that's not sweet and that's usually you know, served as toast or with a sandwich or maybe just plain with butter, something like that. We're not talking about different kinds of dessert breads. It's a much more savory, non-sweet bread, unsweet bread. Oh, wow. That would really mess me up. Everything, everything called bread. You must have been like, hold on a second. Uh, (laughs) Wait a second. This is not what we, uh, I would think of as bread. I think the Korean word for bread just has a much wider definition than the English word for bread. It's not necessarily that Korean people were mislabeling bread. It was that I didn't really understand how wide of a word the Korean word for bread is. But um, I think that can maybe cause some confusion for Korean people learning English as well, because they might have the same problem as I did learning the Korean word when they learned the English word. So bread in English is just a very narrow definition. And as you said, Anna, these days there are many, many different types of bread. But I want you to talk more about the Spanish bread because I'm really liking the imagery that's coming into my mind hearing you talk about this fresh baked bread daily that you can get at the bakery. Uh, Could you talk a little bit more about what bread is like in Spain? Absolutely. I would love to. So um, big part of their culture here um, is that, and obviously this is from my experience. So, you know, I'm seeing it through my lens, but a big part of their culture here is every day you go to the bakery and you buy um, a loaf of bread or a baguette, for example, especially if you're a family um, and you have that bread with your lunch. So bread is a common thing that's eaten um, in Spain with lots of different meals. For breakfast, you have toast, which is quite common in lots of cultures. Um, and you have a piece of bread with a with a meal, for example, at lunchtime. 
So it's really part of the culture to go to the bakery, maybe not every day. Obviously, I'm like one person. So eating a loaf of bread every day uh, probably isn't the best nutritional advice. Um, but you go and you get this fresh bread and it's just gorgeous. I mean, I, I just love that aspect. And I think if I actually moved back to the UK, I would really miss that part of the culture. So fresh bread and bakeries are a big part of um, Spanish culture. And I'm very happy about that. <laughs> So I'm curious, how much does a, a loaf of bread in Spain cost then if you go to the bakery and you buy uh, a fresh loaf of bread? Is it expensive? Is it, is it cheap? What's it like there? Well, I don't, I don't think it's expensive, but I mean, you could be talking about maybe one euro, um, maybe a little bit less than a euro, depending on where you live. Obviously, I live in a city center, so I guess the prices are going to be a little bit more expensive. But it, I mean, it's not expensive if you want to buy kind of a, a, a standard kind of loaf, maybe one euro, let's say one euro 20. Um, and then if you want to buy something that's maybe a little bit more, let's say, luxury or I don't know. Uh, Premium bread premium bread, let's say, yeah, um, then it's going to cost you a little bit more. But your standard loaf of bread or baguette would be like, I don't know, let's say around one euro. I, I think I'm getting that right, but maybe off by a couple of tens. But yeah, one euro, something like that. So it's cheap, which is why I think lots of people buy it. But it's cheap and it's amazing and it tastes incredible. So it's wonderful. Do they have things like this in uh, where you are in, in Korea? Do they have kind of bakeries or this kind of culture? Yes, but it is... New. I have to say that when I first came to Korea for the very first time, which was way back in around 2008 or 2009, um, bakeries weren't really a thing. There were some like chain franchise bakeries that all served very similar kind of bread products, but it was really suited to match the Korean palate, I think. So it Korean people enjoyed it, but as an outsider, I thought that the bread was too soft and too sweet or too creamy, and it just didn't really fit the definition of what I had in mind when I thought of bread. However, that's changed. One of the awesome things about living in Korea is things change really, really quickly, and I'm happy to report that uh, there are some amazing bakeries. Uh, even in my neighborhood, very close to where I live, there are some great bakeries, and I have to say that I think they're as good, if not better, than the bakeries that I'm used to back in Canada. So Koreans uh, have really nailed down how to make uh, bread that tastes just as, as good as I'm used to, at least. And there is a bakery pretty close to my house that sells sourdough bread, which is my absolute favorite. And that was the one bread that I was really missing and I couldn't find in Korea anywhere. And then maybe like a year ago or so, I discovered that this bakery in my neighborhood sells it and I was so happy to find it. And it's delicious, it's amazing. The only negative thing is that it's very expensive. So one loaf of sourdough bread at this bakery costs around $16 American, 16 American dollars. What? <laughs> What's it made of? Does it have gold inside or something? Oh my goodness. Wow. Okay. That's uh, that's slightly on the pricey end. Right. So this is what we're talking about when we said premium bread, right? It's not like your everyday loaf. When, when I buy it, they sell it by the half loaf. So I only buy half a loaf and I'll put it in the freezer and to be honest, although I love bread, I try not to eat too much of it. So I'll just pull out a slice from time to time if I'm having a meal where bread would 
be a good fit for that meal, then I'll pull out a slice from the freezer and, and enjoy it that way. But yeah, unfortunately, it's really expensive. I think one of the reasons why is because the bakers at this bakery studied abroad. So they went to Europe, they learned all of the bread making techniques from Europe, they bought all the equipment. And in a country where, you know, the baking technology, maybe the baking knowledge and the ingredients even are not as common, I think this all goes into why it's expensive. It's also rare, like it's one of the few bakeries that I've ever seen in this country that sells sourdough. So perhaps because of that, they can charge a premium price <laughs> for the premium bread. I think so. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, I wasn't expecting you to say around $16, but I, as you said, it's like a, a premium thing and the industry is kind of just starting out. But what is it about sourdough? I have to say that I haven't tried it, but I've heard loads of people rave about sourdough. They're like, oh, I can't wait to get my sourdough. Does it taste sour? It tastes slightly sour. There's a slight sourness to it. It's not bitter in any way. It's just like almost like a tang. It's a little bit tangy and um, it's fermented. So there's a whole process that goes into making that kind of bread. It's not just as easy as putting all of the ingredients in a bowl and mixing them up and then baking the bread. You have to go through this whole long process of fermenting uh, the dough before you can make the bread. So there is a process in in that as well. It's more labor intensive, but Anna, you got to try it. Oh my God, you're going to love it. Sourdough is the best. <laughs> my personal favorite, I'm really into uh, brown bread. Like I really don't like eating white bread. Um, and I know there's been a lot of bad press White bread has got a bit of a bad reputation nowadays that it's, you know, not good for you. Maybe it's got a lot of sugar. And I'm like you, Andrew, I try not to eat bread very much. And I think the best strategy for me is just not to buy it. If I don't buy it, it's not in the house. I can't eat it. Um, it doesn't work for me to put it in the freezer because if I know it's in the freezer, I'll get it out anyway. So I have to just kind of have the technique where I don't buy it um, and then I won't, I won't eat it. And my real vice is like a piece of bread with butter. Oh. That's just Ooh. a nice piece of toast and then putting a big, thick slab of butter on the top, which is, I know, a, a calorie bomb, but I mean, it's just gorgeous. So I try not to do that too often, but that is my my vice with bread. I'm just like, Ugh, that big slab of butter on the top. It has to be very thick as well. A lot of butter, not a little bit, a lot. Now, would you eat that for breakfast? Is that a breakfast food or a snack? Or when would you eat that kind of uh, bread and butter? I mean, if I'm being honest, it could kind of be at any time of day. It could anytime. be. Uh, <laughs> it could be any time. It could be for breakfast. I mean, I think for breakfast, a thick slab of butter for me is a little bit, um, a little bit much. But I mean, perfect as a snack, a mid-morning snack. Um, for lunch with a soup or in the afternoon. I mean, really, honestly, I could eat it at any time of day. I've got to be honest. And that's the thing I just love about bread. It's just like you can eat it whenever. It's just it's just incredible. And it's just flour and water, essentially, more or less. I mean, obviously, there are some premium breads that have some different techniques. But I mean, it is essentially just flour and water. Um, but I've never actually tried to make my own bread. That's one thing I haven't stepped into. Have you ever made your own bread, Andrew? Or attempted, I guess, to make your own bread? Yeah. So I have several times tried to make bread. When I was a kid, my mom had a bread machine, which at the time, I think these were kind of new appliances. They had just come onto the market and you could just put the ingredients in this machine and 
plug it in, set the timer, and then you'd wake up in the morning and you'd have a fresh loaf of bread. So I remember when I was a kid, we would make bread uh, in the bread machine. And it was amazing because you'd wake up and your house would smell so good, like with fresh baked bread wafting throughout your house. It was amazing. Um, one of the best smells ever, I think. So I have good memories about that. But as an adult, I haven't had as much success. I did actually try to make my own sourdough bread and uh, I couldn't get the fermentation process to happen correctly. So, you know, you have to like take this yeast and I had it in a jar and I had to cover the jar with plastic wrap and poke holes and wait for it to try and ferment and change it every few days and do all of these things. And it just didn't work. It just ended up becoming moldy and I had to throw it out. So my sourdough bread adventure was a failure. But recently, throughout last winter, I made banana bread, which isn't really the same thing as the bread that we're talking about. It's called bread, but I would really say this is more like a dessert. Banana bread is a sweet bread that's made with bananas and it has a very banana-y flavor. And uh, yeah, it's a great thing to do for when you buy too many bananas and you can't eat them before they start to turn brown and black. Uh, even if they have turned brown and black, uh, you can use those bananas. You don't have to throw them out. You can make banana bread with those almost rotten bananas. They're not quite rotten yet, but they're almost there. And so I've experimented with making different kinds of banana bread and it's been delicious. It's great to have just with a cup of coffee in the afternoon. Also good with butter. If you put butter on the banana bread, very delicious. So uh, I guess that is the bread that I'm best at making is banana bread. How could I forget about banana bread? I'm sitting here thinking, how could I be so stupid? At the beginning, I said, no bread can be sweet. And then I completely uh, was overlooking banana bread. And I'm the same as you in the past couple of years, especially during the pandemic as well. Um, I think a lot of people tried to make banana bread because it's really, really easy to make. It's super simple. Um, it tastes great. It's fantastic. But then I guess the argument would be, is it a bread or not? I don't know. But it's <laughs> it's it's wonderful, as you said, with like a cup of coffee. Um and actually here in Spain they don't they don't say banana bread exactly. They kind of call it like a sponge cake, I guess. But banana bread's a big thing that people were doing during the pandemic, I think, because I think a lot of people started baking during the pandemic because well, they didn't have anything else to do when they were at home during quarantine. So I think uh, a lot of people started baking. Actually, my my in-laws came over to our house for a visit and uh, of course they are Korean and they, this, I think maybe this is the first time they visit our house or the second time. I think the first time they visit our house for a meal and they said, oh, Andrew, you have to cook us something Canadian. And I was like, oh my God, what am I going to make? Because there's no real Canadian food. Canada doesn't have a strong food identity uh, as some other countries and cultures have like a really strong food culture and tradition, but Canada unfortunately doesn't really have that. So I was kind of stumped about what I should make. And then my wife suggested like, hey, you've been making this banana bread recently. Why don't you make a loaf of banana bread for everyone? So I said, okay, yeah, that's a good idea. I'll, I'll do that. So I, I made it and they politely ate it, but I don't think anybody was like crazy over the top in love with my banana bread. I don't really like cooking for other people. Like I find that's a lot of pressure. Oh, it's nerve wracking. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> but it it turned out all right. I think it was uh, good enough. But yeah, that, that's my banana bread story from this last winter. It's the thought that counts. And look, I'm, I'm the same as you. It's really nerve wracking cooking anything or baking anything for anybody because you're like, it's really funny when you cook something, you, you feel like you've got a lot of expectations. And I personally don't like to be there when other people eat my food because I'm worried of that kind of reaction where they're kind of like, oh, yeah, it's really nice. And really behind the eyes, you can see that they're kind of like, oh, this is horrendous. Um, but no, I, I know what you mean. The pressure of having to cook something is high. But yeah, it's the thought that counts. It's the effort that goes into it. I think that's the important thing to remember. So um, I'm always grateful if somebody cooks me something, even if it's not the best. Uh, but yeah, bread. I never tried baking my own bread, but maybe I'll maybe I'll try that now after this episode. I feel like I kind of I'm compelled to do that now that we've done an episode of bread. I should really try and make my own. Yeah, the next kind of bread that I want to try to make is similar to banana bread. It's called zucchini bread. So I've never actually had zucchini bread before, but I, I saw some recipes online. The only thing is that zucchini is kind of seasonal. I think it's usually around the end of summer that it's available. So I have a little time to wait until zucchini is in the market again. But as soon as it is, that's the next type of bread that I want to bake because I think maybe that's like the next step up from banana bread. And I'll slowly climb my way up the ladder towards <laughs> the goal of doing a sourdough one day. But wait, zucchini is courgette? I've always called it zucchini. It's just like a squash. It looks like kind of like a gigantic cucumber. Okay, yeah. So this is an interesting point because in, in British English, we don't say zucchini. We say courgette. Courgette. Interesting. Yeah. This can be a little bit confusing because, yeah, zucchini is, is courgette for, for British people. Um, I've always got confused because I thought it was a different vegetable, but it's not. It's just a, we have a different word for it. I, I have no idea why, but yeah, we say courgette and you guys across the pond say zucchini. No idea. Zucchini. Yeah, I imagine that is an Italian word. It doesn't sound like like a native English word. Sounds like maybe UK English borrowed the French word, maybe, and we borrowed the <laughs> Italian word in North America. Yeah, I mean, it sounds way better than courgette. I mean, zucchini sounds way <laughs> more exotic. I mean, I we should have just used zucchini, but no, we got stuck with courgette. Uh, but yeah, just so if any of your listeners hear people, it's the same vegetable. It's just a different, it's just a different word. Courgette for me, zucchini for Andrew. Yeah, another interesting one is eggplant. In North America, we say eggplant. And I think in the UK, you guys say something like aubergine. Aubergine, yeah, aubergine. Which I think is also maybe the French word. Yeah, and in that case, I prefer aubergine. So you can keep eggplant. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you can keep eggplant and we'll have aubergine on that one. So for that one, our one is a, is a little bit better, I have to say. Well, Anna, I think we can wrap things up here for this conversation. So everyone, that's it for today. Uh, thank you for listening and congratulations on making it to the end of this episode. You did a great job. You got your English listening practice in. And of course, now you've heard what Anna and I have to say about bread, but we would like you to add to the conversation. It is your turn. So let us know what you have to say by leaving a comment or posting on the discussion form on our website, which again is 
culips.com, C-U-L-I-P-S.com. If there was a part of our conversation that you didn't understand, you can always rewind and listen to it again as many times as you want, or you can always become a member and download the study guide and transcript from our website. And if you like Culips, please support us. There are many ways that you can do that. For example, you could tell your friends who are learning English to check us out, or you could follow us on Instagram or YouTube or whatever your favorite social media platform is. Just search for Culips English and you'll be able to find us. You could also subscribe to Culips on your favorite podcast app and leave us a positive review. Or finally, you could become a Culips member and for information about all the awesome benefits you get, When you're a member, just check out qlips.com. We'll be back very soon with another episode and we'll talk to you all again then. Bye-bye. Bye.